You are listening to The Drop, Amen Breaks podcast, episode one. Today we're talking bootlegging, so let's get started. Hey everybody, Aaron here from amenbreaks.co.uk. Welcome to The Drop podcast. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for joining us. This podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment and discussion. You can find our podcast on the amenbreaks.co.uk website as well as iTunes and Spotify and SoundCloud. Make sure you come back often so that you can listen in, add it to your favorite RSS feed or on iTunes. You can also follow us on Instagram and at Facebook. Now, let's get into the show. How's it going? Uh, it's going all right. It's going all right, man. I like to go to sleep because the fans are absolutely blowing right now because it's so hot. Yeah, it's... man. Tell me about it. There we go. That's a lot better. That's a lot better. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I've just been a crazy couple of weeks in that with um. I just got my first, I got my first radio BBC Radio One play last week. In yeah, Sudbury. yeah, I saw that, man. That Congrats, nice. Yeah, man. And then from there, it's been it's been crazy, man. A lot of people hitting me up, like a lot of opportunities coming my way and stuff like that. So, and then I started a discussion about bootlegging. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah no, it's good, man. I'm glad to see uh, glad to see you getting some support. Um, I did uh, an interview with um, an artist called Epidemics. Um, a little while ago, if you um, if you've been keeping an eye on like the Ram Records um, page, they've been doing you know like house parties and things like that, and he was on yeah. there. You should check out his mix, man. It's sick. Like it's so yeah. sick. Um, and he was saying that because like he's just like you know an up and comer basically, and um, uh, he won a DJ competition, and then all of a sudden all of these gigs started coming his way and then he got on ram records and things like that so um yeah it's amazing what a little bit of exposure can do for you isn't it oh no definitely man definitely it's like it's like i've had two cold signs i've had one from reiki like one from Ray, like ready the vice playing it on radio one and stuff and that's just completely changed the game like before then i was just kind of happy just like sort of just making my tunes just trucking along i'm getting a bit of exposure but i'm comfortable do you know what i mean i'm yeah. comfortable now like now it's just crazy and it's weird trying to find that balance of like not feeling like there's more pressure on you because yeah. in reality there isn't like really yeah, all you yeah. need to carry on doing what you're doing but also feeling like you want to, you do want to seize this opportunity opportunity that you've got and you do want to ride this momentum that you've got as a result of the little bit of exposure or the bit of exposure that you get, do get and then so it's interesting it's interesting yeah, it's good um, and what it's kind of perverse in a way right because um you know there's a lot more people sat in front of their computers there's a lot more people listening to music now we can't go anywhere theoretically i mean you see idiots running around all over the place anyway but theoretically yeah. you can't go anywhere and then like um you know now everyone wants to to speak with you everybody wants to you know get involved in your music but it is important to to ride that wave you know you can't you can't especially in the music industry right you can't let your you know one little bit of fame and then think right that's it you've got to you know push 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 you've been given a leg up yeah. and, and now it's time to 
you know, to really rock and roll with that. So no, I'm glad, man. I'm really, uh, I'm really uh, happy that that's uh, started to move for you. And I really hope that that, that goes forwards um, in future as well. Thank so, you, man. Thank you. Um, I suppose we probably better, um, you know, introduce what we're doing because, you know, we're going to edit all of these bits and pieces. Um, yeah. So um, my name's Aaron, by the way. Nice to meet you. Um, I, nice to meet you too. I'm, uh, I'm running amenbreaks.co.uk and um, we're a, 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 you know, a merch website, right? We, there's, a, there's, a, there's two or three of us. We're, you know, hardcore junglists have been since, since day one, you know, been listening to the jungle, drum and bass, all that sort of stuff. Rave scene since, since we were sort of like 10, 11 years old. Um, you know, mm -hmm. built our own sound system, used to go raves in quarries and, and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, we just wanted to just do something a little bit fun, you know, sell some t-shirts, you know, get involved with, uh, you know, the scene. Um, and it's sort of like evolved a little bit, or a lot now, actually. I've been doing a lot of interviews with people, um, yeah. you know, writing a lot of articles, um, because what you see a lot of is just, you know, podcasts where people are playing music. You just see people, um, you know, reviewing tracks and, you know, I mean, again, like, you know, things like Resident Advisor and UKF, right? They do interviews and stuff like that, but it's not their main thing. You know, their main thing is like record label, telling you where the mm -hmm. gigs are, releasing music, uh, that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. And, you know, they, whilst they, I'm, I'm reading one about Dillinger at the moment, because you said about Dillinger in, um, uh, you know, in the email about the bootleg and stuff like that. And I was trying yeah. to find that, um, that thing. There's, Dillinger has caused quite a bit of uh, controversy uh, recently because he was talking about not playing um, because some producer and, uh, or promoter had stolen something from you. I'm not quite sure what it is. I'll get to the bottom of it. Yeah. yeah. Um, which actually leads quite nicely onto, you know, the, uh, the whole bootlegging thing. And I actually have some quite strong opinions about this based on other people's opinions as well. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, so like, I wanted to do more stuff um, about the music industry, right? There's a, there's a lot yeah. of stuff that happens that people aren't talking about because it's, you know, dominated by the ravers, right? The people like to go out to the club, they like to go out to the raves, they like to have a good time, you know, listen to the music and all of that yeah. stuff that goes on underneath in the industry, people don't talk about, people don't listen to, uh, don't, yeah. don't know about. And so... I wanted to open it up quite a bit more. Um, we did um, uh, an article a little while ago about where all the women DJs are in women producers and women DJs. And over the past year or so, it's gotten bigger. There's more of them. Uh, you know, there's more women. Uh, doing, I did an interview with, um, with Tiger Base um, a little while ago. And, you know, yeah. that's up on the website as well. You can read that. Uh, but, you know, I, I just want to know it was really interesting to me because like two of the founding members you know first lady of drum and bass storm you know chemistry and storm they were the guys that kicked it all off and no one talks <laughs> about it no one talks about them nobody talks about their impact nobody talks about um you know why there aren't more women and it kind of just became this boys club and, um, you know, again, I wrote another article about how to introduce your friends to drum and bass, right? It's a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but yeah. you know, it's, it's, it can be intimidating for women, right? It sounds, the music sounds rough and tough, even though it's not. And, you know, the, the venues are often a little bit, you know, dingy and stuff like that. And the crowd can be intimidating and what have you. So 
Um, it's mm -hmm. good that, um, that it, it, I don't know, it's just one of those moments of fate, you know, I followed you on Instagram and then I saw this post and I was like, man, this is exactly what I want to talk about, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad that you reached out and, you know, it's, if we can help, um, you know, promote the scene or do more stuff to, um, you know, to, to push it forward, get more people talking about it, raise some awareness of some of these issues and things like that. Um, then, then that's awesome. Um, so obviously, the, the the first, hopefully, of many many podcasts that we're that we're going to do um, is obviously about bootlegging, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, again, funnily enough, I saw I saw a post on uh, on Instagram about someone saying, you know, about bootlegging and stuff like that, and I was like, and this person got like really righteous about it, and it was you know, there was kind of back and forth between these two people. And I was sat there watching it. One of them was like, you know, don't, you know, um, you shouldn't be selling a bootleg that you make and, and stuff like that. And I was like, uh, and then one person was like, well, why not? And they were like, well, you know, it's not right because, you know, you've taken somebody else's money, you know, things like that. And I'm like, hang on a second. Let's, let's take the, let's take the drum and bass scene. It's mm -hmm. built on bootlegging. It's built on remixes. It's built on, uh, you know, if whatever way you want to look at it, taking other people's influences and moving it around. So mm -hmm. on the one hand, I'm like, I, I see it from both sides, right? I'm on the fence about it. Um, yeah. and I'm, I'm really interested to see your opinion on this and what, and what you think about it, you know? Um, yeah. You know, remixes and stuff like that. A, a prime example, right? You must have heard of Urban Dawn's remix, You've Come Together. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Is that a bootleg? Well, sort of, but not really because he reached out to the the lead singer of the bootleg beatles um they recorded their own instruments together they they did it um did they get clearance from the beatles for you know for using the track i don't know you kind of have to imagine that they did but you know where where's the line here is it all right because he's urban dawn and he's signed the hospital um and somebody else who does it who does you know puts as much effort into it and then mm -hmm. says you know i want to sell this Mm -hmm. And apparently it's not all right for them, you know, so um, it's, a, it's an interesting subject and I, and I want to dig into it. So, you know, how do, how do you feel about bootlegging? I feel, I think the most interesting thing, because these are all bit like, like the thing, the most interesting thing for me, because I wasn't necessarily gunning at anyone in particular mm. or anything like that. Do you know what I mean? I was just on, on SoundCloud just strolling through the new things, do you know what I mean? And I started seeing a couple of bootlegs and like, I will, there is a bit of bias in me, do you know what I mean? Because they are bootlegs of friends of mine, do you know what I mean? Duff physics, skeptical strategy, do you know what I mean? And stuff. And then I started typing in drum and bass bootlegs and it was just the amount of bootlegs that I saw. Mm. So for me, for me, because um, I'm not, I, all I see is names, so I can't yeah. see age. I have yeah. no idea how old these people are. So that was why in my in my sort of rant, so to speak, um, I didn't mention the age or anything like that because I have no idea who these people are. Mm. I just see the sheer amount of bootlegs that are out there, and for me, it felt like there there, there was a danger of a bit of saturating the scene because of all of these things, and because now the perception. Um, is out there that this kind of thing is okay to do because mm. of the fact that a couple of other people have just gotten lucky. Do you know mm. what I mean? And I, and I say that, I say that in terms of being lucky very loosely because I don't know the individual situations of yeah. 
each track that has ended up getting big. But the interesting thing um, that has come about it is the definitions of, of, of bootlegging, like the definitions of bootlegging and differences, differences between bootlegging and sampling. And that every, For me, definitely having coming from a hip-hop background where hip-hop is definitely built on sampling, it's definitely built on, um, it was kind of it was kind of kind of similar to dub play culture where we would go out and look for really obscure records yeah. and sample the most obscure part of that record out of it and try and make something new. So we were trying our hardest not to let the original person know. Do you know what I mean? That we've used their work, but I feel like that was where the creativity came out of it. Like you can take something and change it to the point where you can't recognize where it's come from, and then from there it's built into something new. But does it so when it comes to so when yeah, that's the thing when it comes to bootlegging, I see a bootleg as taking something, a song that is popular because it's always done to songs that are popular. Do you know what I mean? There is an element of, of clout chasing in that. Do you know what I mean? Like you are taking something that's popular and putting your own spin on it. But the fact is, you're still using that original artist, artist's name, do you yeah. know what I mean? And you're still using the bulk of that artist's original product. Now, mm-hmm. if it's just a vocal line out of there, do you know what I mean? And, that, and nothing, and you're not basing your whole production on the fact that this is from that, that's where it's sampling to me. Mm. Yeah, that's where it turns into sampling because you're trying to make something completely different out of that. But when it's a bootleg, dub physics, skeptical and strategy, marker, so and so bootleg, you are working. You are working off that name. You are working off the popularity of that song, and that's where I think that's where I feel the distinction of bootleg and sampling lies because it did. The whole conversation did bring up okay, all of these ragga samples and stuff like that, if you go through each individual one, you will, do, you will find a difference. There is, there's a difference between Shakademus and Pliers, Jeanette Amino, Barrington Levy, Murderer, so-and-so bootleg, yeah. or taking Murderer out of that and adding it to something else. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Like, there is a distinct difference, but because... Because there's a lack of education on what is sampling and what is like how much of something can be used for it to be for it to be classed as sampling or bootlegging. I feel like that's where the confusion lies, do you know what I mean? And that's where, you know, especially especially I'm not gonna say young ones, but especially people that are new to this and coming into it. Because I've I've met a lot of older people that are like, yo. How do I do this? How do I do that? How do I get into, you know, producing? What software should I use? And things like that. So there's a lot of people that have now got access to enter the scene that they didn't have before, whether it was money, whether it was hardware, do you know what I mean? Whether it was lack of resources and courses, whether it was lack of internet, which was definitely a thing in my time. Yeah. <laughs> when I was first coming up, we didn't have the internet as it was now, do you know yeah. what I mean? As it is now, sort of. Um, so I feel like because there's a lack of of education in regards to the difference between sampling and bootlegging itself, I feel like that's where the arguments end up becoming a bit confused and can lose their way. And I feel like that's why we need to have these kind of discussions so it can be 
do you know what I mean, explained and defined what is the difference. Because I had a lot of people sort of asking me, okay, so what's your feeling on um, bootlegging from outside of the genre? Me personally, taking into consideration what is going on right now, I do not feel there is a necessary need to bootleg from outside of the genre. And this is someone that's, this is someone that you can go on my SoundCloud and you will find the Georgia Smith Blue Lights bootleg on there. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? But, but, you know, that's where, (laughs) excuse me, sorry. Um, And that's where I sort of led into, okay, I don't necessarily feel like there's anything wrong with bootlegging itself. Bootlegging can lead to a lot of ideas and a lot of inspiration and stuff like that. So I'm not necessarily saying don't do it, especially if you're a beginner. Yeah. That's a way that you can sort of learn and get into get into things. Where I where I feel like like a bit of consideration needs to be needs to be thought about, needs to be taken is when you get to the point of right, I want to show everybody. Do you know what I mean? That okay. Back in the day, we'd make a bootleg or we'd make an unofficial remix, and the only way that people would be able to hear hear it in the beginning was in your sets. Do you know what I mean? Or if you passed it on to somebody else that was doing sets and stuff like that. Further on the line, the internet came about, drum and bass forums um, and things like that. NWDB, Dogs on Acid. drum and bass arena <laughs> in the beginnings of drum and bass arena and stuff like that yeah. and now that i like and this is where this is where i'm coming from with it as well because i'm not it's not like i'm just looking out and i'm being angry for the sake of being angry i am talking from personal experience so around 2003 2004 i'm on the nwdmb.co.uk very popular drum and bass site in yeah. the northwest of the uk and they have most forums have a tune review section yeah, and yeah. stuff and that so people were putting their tunes for reviews everyone would get involved give their feedback this that and the other i had heard i can't remember who the dj was that that was that um put out the mix but i'd heard a mix and there was um an artist called tk that was just coming out of, at the time yeah and he'd made the tune called hell hell's angels and that and um, the tune, that tune was played in that mix and this is what i this is what i mean about um being inspired getting inspired by something i heard this tune i really loved it i loved everything that was that was happening in it i got really inspired and i got a bit too giddy took the mix ripped the actual tune out of that mix put it in my door chopped it up made my own version and that and then put it in the tune review section on nwdb.co.uk. Now, I can't remember the specifics because it was so long ago, but it must have gotten some traction. And TK ended up getting in touch with me to the point and said to me, like, this was so bad that it was at the point of threatening his actual release of the original tune. So I could have messed up a release for someone by getting too giddy, hearing something in a mix, do you know what I mean? And then thinking to myself, oh, Someone's done a boot like this. Someone else has done a boot like that. I can try it. Do you know what I mean? And just put it out and let everybody hear kind of thing. So from there, I deleted it, deleted the project, completely scrubbed it off my computer so there's no trace. Do you know what I mean? From there, I've always ended up sending it to the artist first before, do you know what I mean, just putting it out there. Because one, I don't want to hamper my 
sort of opportunities and chances of being able to progress because there's still people that know about that situation in the scene now, even though it was over 10 years ago. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And at the same time, you know, like, even though it was like a, a throwaway comment, he actually liked it. He actually liked what I did, what I'd done. So mm. if I would have gone to him properly, maybe something else could have developed from it. It could have been an official remix. It could have been something that goes on the project later on down the line. We never know. Do you know what I mean? That is a beautiful thing. But for me, especially, and especially like seeing the sort of changes that were happening in hip-hop and that, because hip-hop and drum and bass, they're both relatively young genres compared yeah. to R&B, pop, country and western rock some elements of rock and stuff like that um and seeing all of the changes that were happening in hip-hop seeing artists that we thought got away with it in the beginning and eventually having do you know what i mean having to be caught up with and having to pay out especially if they become successful yeah having exactly. to pay out in the end you know for me it started to look like right it is more valuable to be original than not do you know what i mean it can help but, you know, eventually you will get to a point, like, if you do well, you stay consistent, you stay persistent within the scene. You become successful. As soon as people see some sort of monetary value to you, they will come for you. It may not look like you'll be all right now because you're a little guy, or oh, what money have I got? Da, 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 da. Do you know what I mean? But eventually it may, it may catch up with you. And for me... That's where I feel like having these conversations where the education can actually come out about it. It's not necessarily like we're trying to hold anybody back, but it's not necessarily saying that we're trying to um, stifle creativity or inspiration. And that. But if we don't talk about the pitfalls of what can come from doing these kind of things and the chances that you can end up losing as a result of just being a bit too giddy or just not going through you know, the right channels first, do you know what I mean? Or as I like to put it, not giving yourself a chance for something potentially big to happen. Do you know what I mean? Like you're sort of taking away the chance of an artist that you may look up to seeing your work and actually taking value in your talent because you took the step to get in touch with them first. Every original artist will always respect the fact that you got in touch with them first before putting it out there. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, why not? You know, so why not Why not give yourself that chance to have something bigger happen for, for your bootleg, which could turn into an original, an official remix, than just think, put it out there because people like it. Do you know what I mean? There's more benefits that can come from going down a proper channel than not. Do you know what I mean? And that's the main thing that I was trying to point out. You know, before you put it on SoundCloud, send it out first. See what happens. We've got a lot more ways to be able to get in touch with original artists now than we did before. Especially you know in the mean? drum and bass community as well, you know, like people, people, uh, you know, I, I talk about this with some of my friends, you know, like um, it, what's brilliant about the, you know, the drum and bass community is that, um, you know, the artists, I suppose like because that level of, like global superstardom is not really possible for them. Do you know what I mean? It's not mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. Armin Van Buren, you know, these, you know, huge, huge artists. That level of fame is never really possible. 
for them, but in the community, they are mm-hmm. legends, you know, amongst men themselves. Yeah. And yeah. So yeah. it is easy to get in contact with these people, and quite often they will, um, you know, reply to you. I mean, I've spoken to, to several artists who have been like, yeah, sure, great, I'd love to have uh, an interview with you, or, you know, talk about this, do that. You know, it, yeah. it is possible to do that. And I suppose because our community is, is a lot smaller in that respect, um, mm-hmm. you know, there is that element of, um, you know, accessibility. But, you know, on the flip side to that as well, though, I mean, it's, and, and this is something that we'll talk about. And again, uh, an article that I wrote about it as well, it's like um, commercial drum and bass, commercialization of it. It's taken, yeah. Yeah. It's taken drum and bass a long time to go from, you know, um, you know, wild, uh, underground, you know, bubbling crop pot of, of adventure and, uh, and, you know, nondescript direction to, yeah, yeah. You know, to, you know, people getting signed onto labels, you know, putting out releases, cutting dubs, releasing it a year before at festivals and things like that, you know. Mm-hmm. So drum and bass is now getting more professional. Um, and mm-hmm. commercial in that respect. Um, mm-hmm. I suppose that now there is that element of it as well. You know, people are, and, and I think this is where that person was getting um, bent out of shape about it, right? It's because there is that element of commercialization. Um, and, you know, like you say, it could mess up a release. Um, yeah. You know, and again, like the, the Urban Dawn bootleg remix and you, you don't know anymore if it's a remix it's a vip whether it's bootleg you know there's just so mm-hmm. many different things going around about it that you just think well um you know is somebody paying for that are they not paying for that you know what are the legal implications uh, for all these sorts of things uh, but i also feel like it's a little bit and i suppose it's you know, a necessity of the industry right in order for drum and bass to sort of progress and expand in the way that it, it seems to be going, which is a good thing. You know, there's there's nothing wrong with having a more professional feel about the industry. There's nothing wrong with the industry being professional because it means that artists mm-hmm. are getting a better deal. Um, you know, there's more, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Regulation around what's going on, what's not going on. I'm fairly sure mm-hmm. you've had to deal with some unscrupulous promoters and clubs and venues and things like yeah. that for years. Um, yeah. But now it's getting a lot more uh, professional and, and, you know, with that comes the necessary evil of the legalities of it as well, you know. So mm-hmm. uh, there's an example. Uh, y- you will have heard the unglued remix of High Contrast, uh, If We Ever, right? Yeah, yeah. Now, fortunately, it turns out that High Contrast is a pretty easygoing guy, right? Mm-hmm. And Because uh, unglued, I think... Because uh, I listened to to London Electricity's podcast as well, and you know this this came out two years ago now. I think this this yeah. remix, whatever it is. Now yeah. apparently, Unglued had done this remix, right? And um, I think he sort of. I don't know whether or not he did send it to High Contrast. Um, I think High Contrast is is he still on hospital? I'm not sure. Yeah, he's yeah, still on he's hospital. Still. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they would. So they would have interacted. Right. Um, and I think what was happening was um, Unglued was just playing it out as like something that he had, you know, on his USB events. And then High Contrast heard it and he was like, oh, that's wicked. You know, release it. And obviously it got an official release for that. But that could have gone that could have gone a different way. Do you know what I mean? Like That could have caused 
real issues for, for everyone involved. Well, this is this is why I was quite get leaving it at the point of no one saying don't do it. <laughs> By all means, if you get inspired, do you know what I mean? You can do it. Like, like there's nothing wrong with that. Like, and I do compare it to, you know, mainstream media. I've been out to a lot of R and B sort of soul hip hop clubs. There's always these sort of chopped and screwed versions of R and B classics and this, that, and the other. But you'd never actually hear about them being released. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And with 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 drum and bass taking a lot of inspiration, do you know what I mean, and influence from reggae and dub play culture, I can understand that. Having a dub play for your set when you're going out, I can understand that. That's what it used to be like back then. Do you mm. know what I mean? The thing is, when as soon as you put it out on the internet for other people to hear and you don't give the original artist the choice to for them to know whether it's out of homage. Do you know what I mean? Out of respect, out of true inspiration, you have to give the um, original artist, you have to make the original artist figure that out for themselves. I feel like that's where the actual danger lies. Do you know what I mean? Because, you know, like you said, if Unglued had this remix for a couple of years and he was just playing it out in sets, but he'd sent it out to High Contrast, maybe High Contrast forgot, heard it, forgot about it. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't on his mind at that moment in time or whatever. I don't know the details. I'm just speculating. But maybe if he'd heard it and forgot about it, do you know what I mean? Didn't think, you know, you know that it may have worked at that time. But then Unglued has been playing out. High Contrast has been out at Bucking, seen the, seen the reaction that it's got and thought, oh, you know what? That might work. And he sent it to me already, you know. Let me speak to London Electricity. You know, this is doing well right, right in the clubs, you know. Maybe this might work. It's been a couple of years since the original. Like, yeah. it, but, but I feel like I feel like the main thing that everyone needs to take away from, from this is is before we really knew anything that was actually going on, before Unglued actually really got his name out there, it was Bootstrap Bill that came out first. Mm. There's nothing on no SoundCloud. For anyone to hear, there was no free downloads or anything like that, and no other DJs were playing it in their sense. It was just him. And I feel like that's where a level of respect is. Do you know what I mean? Like, this is just something for me. I was inspired, kind of thing. As soon as you put it out there on the internet for other people to make their judgment, that's where the gray area and the danger lies and stuff. So I feel like, I feel like Unglued did it right. In yeah. terms of making a bootleg, waiting to see what happens before making any kind of decision for himself. Because, again, because when people just put stuff out, like it's, it, it was assumed by me, it was assumed on me that I just didn't care. Do you know what I mean? It was yeah. like a sign of disrespect. We've all heard about the infamous kicked down the stairs incident. Do you know what I mean? We've all heard about it because, again, Said artist had no idea whether it was homage, whether it was this, that, or the other. He just heard it, and that's it. You can't tell an original artist how to react to hearing something that they have created being used in a different way. Now, for me to say that statement, that's where it gets into yeah, but what about this? What about this sample being used here? What about this being used here? And yeah. I understand where other people can come from with that. Do you know what I mean? But if we're going to hold, if we're going to talk about reggae and other influences and other dub play cultures and things like that, 
we have to apply these rules to every other genre that has been out there. Every new genre that has come across has had to take from something from before, change it, twist it, to make something new. It's what happened with hip-hop. It's what happened with rave, from dance music and stuff like that. From reggae and rave music came jungle. From jungle came drum and bass. From drum and bass came dubstep. From grime. From grime came, uh, from garage came grime. Do you know what I mean? Like, every genre has had to start from somewhere. It's had to take from some sort of blue building block to make something new. And then over time, they've had to legitimize themselves with original content. And I feel like drum and bass is getting to that point where, and especially with technology, we're getting to that point where we don't need to do that anymore. And especially taking from our own seat. Do you know what I mean? Like taking yeah, yeah. from within drum and bass, I feel like we don't need to do that anymore. Do you know what I mean? We've got so much technology, free software, hardware, cheaper hardware, online resources, artists doing actual tutorials, so more focused, do you know what I mean? Like learning and stuff like that. We've got so much more resources that I wish I had back in 2001, 2002. Yeah, yeah. So we've got so much more to take advantage of. Even artists themselves, Ronnie Size, all of these people have put out their own sample packs. So yeah, in yeah. terms of developing on an artist's sound that you're inspired by, you have the opportunity to do it. You have sounds there, do you know yeah. what I mean, to be able to do it. So to bootleg within our scene, I just I don't see the sense in it. And I feel like that's going to end up causing more damage to the scene. If you do it and don't send it to the artist first, then it will just get in your name about and getting numbers on SoundCloud. Because at the end of the day, in terms of you getting music signed and getting music heard, no one can do anything with a bootleg. Yeah. Unless it's official, you can't do anything with a bootleg, you yeah. know? But with an original or an official remix, it can go on Spotify, it can go on Apple Music, it can spread out so much further than it just being on SoundCloud or whatever, do you know what I mean, free download site that you want to use and stuff. So again, there's so much more benefits to going down the proper channels than there was before. But with it being the young scene, that's where education definitely needs to come into it and conversations like this definitely need to go into it. Yeah, I, yeah, 100% agree. And, you know, like I said, that's what, that's what we're here to do, talk about these sorts of things. Um, mm. you know, and but I feel like in terms of the legality, sorry, bringing it back down, bringing right. it back down to like Urban Dawn and Unglued, like I feel like they are examples of how you can do it right. You know, I have to, I'm, I'm assuming that because hospital is so big, they, they will have the means and probably the funds to be able to cover the costs for something like that. Do you know what yeah. I mean? It can't be an official remix because it's a Beatles tune. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. Maybe as a cover, you know, we've seen official covers go out. We've seen, you know, Dolly Parton, Elvis Presley, so many popular artists do covers of popular songs before. So it can be done in that way. And I'm assuming that that's how Hospital have done it. It's not yeah. an official Beatles remix. But it's a cover. Do you know what I mean? We yeah. all know what the songs are. And behind the scenes, everything has been sort of like laid out and dealt with. And I think because so much of us don't know how it works behind the scenes, that's where we're left to assume: is it a bootleg? Is it a remix? Has it been done properly? Has it has it not been done properly? Like, do you know what I mean? And stuff. So that's where the more we talk about it, 
the more people can understand it, again, we can push this up and see forward in that. But yeah, man, we can only assume, if it's done officially, we can only assume, you know, that it has been done properly. Because yeah. on, the, on the other side of that, on, in the same year, they released um, Jetstar Meat. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? And they were all official remixes of well-known reggae classics. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. And stuff. So when it's done right, it can be amazing. Do you know what I mean? Everyone can benefit from it. So and I think that's a testament to how it, from how it was in the beginning, where it was so hard to get in touch with these people and probably cost was so much more because we're dealing with vinyl, we're dealing with CDs, we're dealing with cassettes, yeah. physical media. Do you know what I mean? To now, it's so much easier to reach artists and in terms of getting stuff out there, it's so much easier to get music out there. You know, I feel like now that's a testament to the drum and bass scene maturing. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, that's exactly you know, the point that I was trying to make, right? Like, this is that, you know, the drum and bass... It's funny, right? Because it kind of feels like that the drum and bass scene is, you know, going through its teenage years, you know, yeah. in that respect, you know, like um, on the one side of it, you know, bootlegging and sampling and remixes and things like that is it's part of, you know, the foundation of what yeah. jungle and drum and bass is about, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, now it's, it seems to be having this internal conflict as to whether or not to abandon the, the core basis that it was built on with a yeah. view to becoming, you know, a more mature, um, finessed sort of um, a music industry, you know. Yeah. And, it, you know, and again, like the reason why we're having these conversations is because they need to, they need to happen. People need to talk about these sort of things because one person thinks that bootlegging is all right because they, you know, this is what the foundation is built on, you know. And you can find loads of remix, um, Chasing Status, uh, Original Nutter, Twenty Five, all right, yeah, yeah. amazing, amazing tune, amazing, you know, uh, you know, remake. Yeah. Um, again, you have to assume that those people are doing it the right way. Um, I was listening to the uh, the V Records podcast. A little while ago, I can't remember um, what song they were talking about, or even which artist they were um, they were talking about. But they said that they couldn't get; they were trying to get some samples uh, cleared for yeah. for a remix that they wanted to do, and they couldn't they couldn't get them cleared. So they went and recorded them themselves. I'm not an industry head, right? I don't really know how all of this works. So um, you know, you have to assume that there's some sort of work around behind recording something yourself versus you know you've got to pay some sort of like royalty fee or, or something like that I, I, I don't know I don't know how it works but you know yeah, like yeah. um but I also think that you know these are the people that 25 years ago were creating all these bootlegs that made their name from bootlegging and now they mm-hmm. have to you know either by choice or by their hand being forced they're now having to go mm-hmm. down the legal route of making sure these things so you know is it a case that their business um isn't gonna isn't gonna survive if they just keep going around creating bootlegs and allowing their artists to do that you know so well well did they actually make their name off bootlegs or did they make their names from sampling because to say because to say dillinger made his name from bootlegs angels fell which has got a popular sample in it other tunes, you know what I mean, that have got popular sound samples in it. That kind of takes away from 
the original music that he tried to make. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. The different styles that he tried to make and stuff. So I feel like when we when we when we say that that that's what it was built on, that's where the inspiration came from. Do you know what I mean? But the same with hip hop. Do you know what I mean? It was the same thing. Like we didn't want no one was supposed to buy each other's styles. Do you know yeah. what I mean? I've made this new creation. Do you know what I mean? Like I don't want it to be credited to someone else. Yeah, I've used that popular sample, but the rest of it is mine, kind of thing. And I think it was like um, in the Dillinger interview, he mentioned we like we all talk about the Winston Brothers, the famous Amen break yeah. that helped start hip hop as well as drum and bass <laughs> and general yeah. like it has been there for so it's been sampled by so many different genres it's ridiculous but dylan just said you know taking the winston break and making something new from it okay no problem but then taking that new processed amen loop that i have made i have added different elements to and stuff like that that's where it becomes a no-no do you know what i mean like i've put work into changing what was there and making it into my own and like i kind of i can see where there's a gray area in what he said but i kind of agree with what he said at the same time and mm. stuff like and i think that's i think that's what i think when it comes to bootlegging in, within drum and bass i think that's what the actual argument is especially now do you know what i mean like i feel like we can learn from back then but we can't directly compare what's happening now to what's happening back then. Like, definitely we can learn from it. We, like, yes, bootlegging is what helped build this scene and create this scene and grow this scene. But it doesn't mean that bootlegging is necessarily what's going to push this scene forward now. Do you yeah, know I mean? mean, drum and bass is the, the one thing that I've always spoken about is um, drum and bass's ability to constantly reinvent itself, to constantly push itself forward through um, you know, it's uh, its ability to, you know, change so quickly, um, mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, just look at the evolution of jungle through to drum and bass, you know, in like 1998, yeah. 99, people were saying drum and bass, it will never last, you know, and it, it's just evolved into its own form of the, of the genre. Now, like we are legitimized now. We exactly. are legitimized. Like yeah. we are like jungle drum and bass. We are a thing now. Like yeah. we are our own form, our own category, we are our own identity. We cannot be compared to any other genre anymore. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But with legitimization comes expectations in yeah, regards exactly. to how we how we move it forward. Do you know what I mean? And again, that's why I keep keep comparing it to hip hop. Do you know what I mean? Like now hip hop, it is its own tree and it has many branches, you know, conscious hip hop, gangster rap, do you know what I mean? Rap with a message, like, you know, mumble rap, <laughs> yeah. fast rap, do you know what I mean? Um, emo rap, vaporwave, like all these different branches now, do you know what I mean? That, that have come from creativity, do you know what I mean? From this new thing. And drum and bass is getting to that point. Liquid, neurofunk, drum funk jungle within itself do you know what i mean jungle has its own sound do yeah you know i mean the industrial techno influence like sort of drum and bass like there's so many even mean even like the new version of rollers do you know what i mean that we've got now foghorn rollers yeah 
whatever we will eventually call it when it gets to its own, you know, identity. But there's so much now that is that is developed from those roots, genetic and stuff. Why do we want to spoil it by constantly like going back to those like sort of techniques and, and traditions when we we're in a place in a place where we can evolve so much more now than we could before. And that's that's like that again, that's not to say don't do a boot then. Don't have your own duck plate for your own sets. Don't get inspired. Do you know what I mean? Like like inspiration can come from anywhere. That is the beauty of music. Do you know what I mean? But you know, as drum and bass gets better, I know everyone hated on Pendulum and everyone hated on Fresh when they become to when they became too commercialized. But if we can keep our identity but still pack out stadiums, you know, do global drum and bass tours, do you know what I mean? Like yeah. Andy C's doing now. He's yeah, traveling yeah. the world. If we could get to the scene to the point where more of us can do things like that. Why wouldn't we want that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I Why agree. Why wouldn't we want that? You I know? mean, uh, on, the, on the flip side of this as well, like, yeah, um, the and I want to talk about you know your average Joe, you know the person mm-hmm. who goes out to the rage and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. To them, they don't care. Do you know what I mean? If, yeah. you, if you bang out a roller um, or any other tune that's that's a bootleg, they don't care. Mm-hmm. You know, so, and this is what I mean by the sort of, you know, the legitimization of, uh, of the scene. Um, yeah. You know, drum and bass has that sort of, people who, who go to illegal raids, illegal raids are getting big again, right? Mm-hmm. Um, again, I've written an article about illegal raids. There's a, there's a vice documentary about illegal raids and stuff. Illegal, yeah. I went to illegal raids when I was young, you know? Um, yeah. The people, yeah, started, yeah, the, the people yeah. That, um, that go to these things, that go to these events, they're the ones that the music really is made for. And it's always going to have that element of um, being slightly against, uh, you know, the slightly against legality. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and for those up and coming producers that, that want to make bootlegs and stuff. And again, like, I think we're, there's, there's two different sides to this, right? It's like, make a bootleg, fine, whatever, go and, go and do your bootleg, go and play your, your, your music. Um, but then again, you know, it, it's the whole, is that person then legitimately able to make money from that? If they, you know, let's assume that they've done it the right way. And yeah. You know, and I'm not even talking about unglued, high contrast, chasing status, original nut, you know, all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah. I'm talking about, you know, this, you know, bedroom DJ, bedroom producer, whatever it is. They've got their skills down. They they want to show exactly. <laughs> they want to show. Um, they want to show their skills. They want to show, you know, uh, and again, whatever way you want to look at it, whether it's an homage, uh, an homage, or whether it's you know just them, you know, bootlegging. You know, even if they go down that route and they reach out to the artist and they say, look, you know, I've done this, check it out. And the artist goes, yeah, that's wicked. You know, is that person legitimately allowed to then say, okay, you can, you know, you can um, make money from that. And, and I think that this is, this is where, you know, again, that gray area comes into play because um, drum and bass is, and again, 
you've got both ends of the spectrum here. You look at record labels like hospitals and you get the sense that those guys are a very well oiled business, right? And, and say whatever you want, you know, I know Tony um, is, you know, making music for the sake of making music, but he's also got a business to run, right? He's got a house mm -hmm. to pay for, he's got, you know, staff that he needs to ensure get paid at the end of every month. You know, he puts on huge events, um, hospitality in the park, um, that festival, hospitality on the beach, you know, all this kind of stuff, right? And it, there, there is a legitimate business element of that. But then you look at some yeah. other record labels, you know, and I'm not going to, to, to pinpoint any because I don't want to think that, they're, that I'm targeting them because I don't think they're well run. I've got no idea what goes on behind the scenes, right? But mm -hmm. there are some other record labels out there that you just think, you know, these guys don't really seem to know how to run the business side of things. It still, still seems to be very much, you know, the same guys that have been doing it for the past 15, 20, 25 years, 10, 15, 25 years, whatever. And they've gotten big because they themselves be act, but they don't know how to run the business. And so that, you know, that professionalism element yeah. comes into play one of those artists who's on one of those you know shall we say less well-oiled business labels says it's all right and yet one that is run very very well you might uh, might say no absolutely not because xyz reason do you know what i mean so there has to be some sort of industry standard legitimization for example if you wanted to to sample or make a bootleg song of uh, uh, justin bieber all right yeah You've yeah. got to go through all the right channels because you know that anywhere that that tune is played, it's yeah. going to get either whipped down immediately or you're going to have, you know, Sony or whatever record labels, lawyers, he's on, knocking on your door saying, right, you know, you owe us a lot of money. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, yeah. So That's why I always find it weird when I hear like unofficial, like when I hear bootlegs on like Radio 1 and National Radio stuff it's like wow like okay like if like, <laughs> say like i was to do like a justin bieber boot like I, I feel like i would have to understand like okay like i'm definitely punching above my own weight i'll send the i'll send the email off do you yeah. know what i mean but i'm definitely punching above my weight <laughs> you may never hear it do you know what i mean and stuff like that but then for it to be heard on international radio do you know what i mean or worldwide radio and that, that would kind of like that would kind of put the fear of God in me like oh like oh, oh like but then it again again like it's oh, I can understand why people would look at that and think to themselves oh that's going to help get my name out there because do you know what I mean and that's they, that's, I feel like that's where the not I don't want to say danger but that's where the sort of pitfalls and confusion can lie with us being such a young scene. Do you know what I mean? Because at the start of what you were saying, I was going to begin, I was going to use myself as, a, as an example. You know, I've got a official remix coming out on Runtings Records of uh -huh. Sylvia Teller, Plastic Smile, you know. And yeah. in terms of her, I thought she would be well out of my league to ever do any kind of work with. She'd like, she's one of my mum's favourite reggae artist yeah, do you yeah. know what I mean but then over time you know I found out oh she's actually from Manchester she's not yeah. from 
Jamaica where I thought she was from. Do you know what I mean? Actually, she's from the ends. Like, she's yeah. actually from my hometown and stuff like You know, and even then, I didn't think I would ever meet her. By chance, I ended, I ended up meeting her. Do you know what I mean? And anyway, you know, we, we ended up building contact and stuff. I've done my, my what would started off as a bootleg because I didn't have any official stems or anything like that. It was literally just to, and it came out of, it came out of, Everyone's doing these remixes, these reggae sort of bootlegs and remixes, shot down and all that kind of stuff. I'm going to do one, but I'm going to do one representing Manchester. That, yeah. that is literally where the inspiration came from for it and stuff. I've made it, I've played it on a couple of sets, like streams and stuff like that, because it's only now that I'm actually starting to get out there as a DJ. Like I've been yeah. emceeing and producing for the last like sort of 15 years in drum and bass, but so now I'm coming out as, as like a DJ as well. And people were saying, put it out, put it out, put it out, put it out, put it out for free, put it on, put it on SoundCloud, whatever. And I'm like, no, I'm sending it to her. Do you know what I mean? But I'm still playing it in my sets. Don't get me wrong. This is what I'm saying. I'm still playing it in my sets so people can hear it. Mm. And that Runtings Records heard it. They were like, they're really interested in it. They want to sign it. I said, that's cool, but I cannot agree to anything until I've heard from Sylvia Tower. Do you know what I mean? And for me, yeah. it was important that I got her blessing first before I did anything. Now, when it comes into the business side, in terms of whether I could make money of it, on it, off of it or anything like that, that's all been able to be sorted out with the artist, the original artist, and with runtings and stuff. So contracts are going to be made. Obviously, I'm going to get a percentage of that. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Because I've done some work, but obviously the original artist is going to get the bulk because yeah. it's a remix. It's an official remix and stuff. So, and but through not going through that situation, I would not know how the how the actual business works. So bringing it back into your point in terms of. Uh, it's learning about the business, learning about the professionality of it. If you if you don't try these things, do you know what I mean? You you won't learn. Do you know what I mean? If you do, just send them to labels that you know they're just going to put it out anyway, and you don't really worry about what's going to come back from it. You're not going to learn. Do you know what I mean? And then when you do get to a bigger label and they say no, you are going to be confused. Well, this label said that I could. Why have you got a problem with it? And you're bigger. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You're a bigger label, so I thought you would be able to handle this. But you're telling me no. Like that's where the like legality in the business side comes into it. So again, as time goes on with drum and bass, and we start to realize, okay, some of these things that we were quite rebellious with in the beginning, if we want to actually make careers out of this, they mm. can't always work. And I think that's where it comes down to. Like, there's the scene. There's the scene as a whole. There's how the ravers see it and how the people involved in, in, in the scene are. And then there's the in, individual. Do I want to make a career out of this? Do you know what I mean? Like, do I want to actually make a living out of this and have this as my job? If yes, then eventually you're going to have to have to apply by the rules. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's yeah, not, yeah. Like, you, can, you, you can have that punk rebel, that punk rock image to it. Do you know what I mean? But the Sex Pistols, they could have been a lot bigger if, yeah. they, if they weren't so angry with the Queen. <laughs> you know, but then again, on the American side, there's Rage Against the Machine. There's Public Enemy. Like protest songs have always been there and stuff like that. But I digress. <laughs> At yeah. some point, if you do want to make a career, 
Do you know what I mean? You are going to have to follow some some rules. They're going to have to be some sort of... Well, I'm, okay, I won't say rules. I'll say guidelines. Yeah. Because rules can always be bent and rules can always be broken. Like you said, people can get lucky. You know, you can go down the orthodox route and it can actually work out for you. So I won't say rules. I'll say guidelines. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. Especially for new people coming in and that. But as the scene gets better and if we really care about the scene and we really really want this scene to progress we're gonna have to like we're gonna have to let some of the old things go do you know what i mean and embrace some of the new ways of thinking like streaming like djs producers we've all had to get used to the fact of we can't sell on vinyl anymore people aren't buying vinyl records anymore people aren't buying cds anymore do you know what i mean i I think vinyl i think is um is is a conversation for another day because um, yeah yeah, hospital well, we've still had to would, would disagree yeah. with you entirely about people aren't buying vinyl. I mean, vinyl flies off the shelf for these guys, but that's a, that's another conversation for, for yeah, another yeah, day. Yeah. But but we've had to make those changes. We've yeah, had yeah. to go from okay, this was the platform that we depended on, and now because of the internet or how you know the general public, because we can't control how the general public want to consume what we're putting out there. So over time, we have to adapt, do you know what I mean? And, that, and we have to take on these changes like like the internet. You know, just as an example, at first I was like, wow, like, this is all weird. Like now it's like, okay, I can see the advantages. And now the internet is helping me get my name out a whole lot more than what I was doing before, even yeah. 10 years ago and stuff. So we have to change. We have to adapt if we want to progress within ourselves and within the scene. I feel like we have to adapt, you know? Yeah, I mean, yeah. It does, <laughs> does that, you know, bringing it all sort of like full circle, you know, does that mean yeah. that the bootleg has to be legitimized, right? So that you basically yeah. you've, got, you've got two options. The first one is obviously the bootleg goes away, the dinosaurs, and only, you know, bootlegs will obviously still be made, but they're not, you know, as revered and, you know, looked uh, looked up to yeah. as much or you know uh, which again poses another question does that bootleg then cease to be a bootleg because it's been legitimized yeah yeah of course it does of course it does because it's been yeah. the only reason a bootleg is a bootleg because it's not legit <laughs> <laughs> that's the only reason why it's a bootleg as so, soon as it's legitimized then yeah man and that's the thing as soon as it is legitimized you've got You've got credit credit from the original artist. They rate you. They rate your talent. They appreciate what you've done with yeah. their piece of music. You've actually got credit from the actual music industry itself. Do you know what I mean? Because if that that official release, like like Shy Effects, no one ever thought Shy Effects would get a tune in the charts that would yeah. go gold. Or do you know what I mean? No one ever thought Ronnie Size would win a Mogo for a Mercury Music Prize back. Yeah all the way back in the early 90s and stuff like that, you know. So when you get legitimized, do you know what I mean? There's a lot more that comes from it, do you know what I mean? I would love to be, I would love to be, right, even now I've been, I've been in a sense legitimized by Ray Keith and Rene Levice and Radio 1, do you know what I mean? And because of that, so much more benefits have come from that, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. In that, a, boot, a bootleg, and what people tend to forget, I think, with bootlegs is a bootleg can always only go so far. Yeah. It can only go to a point. But an original piece of music, the 
possibilities are endless. Do you know what I mean? We've seen original pieces of music come out and it's not got the reaction that, you know, we would have thought. But then years later, it just pops back up and everybody is on it. And it ends up getting that, the, like, the, 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 the love and the spread and the recognition that it deserves. And that's where you have no control. You have no control of whatsoever over how the general public react to your thing. But more, more, ten, like nine out of ten times, if it's original, there's so much more benefit from it than if it's a bootleg. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I don't think I don't think bootlegs will ever die because if it's outside of the scene, and that, like, like I said, you can go on my SoundCloud and you can find a Georgia Smith who likes bootleg Jaleed on my SoundCloud. Yeah, Jaleed in it. Every time I play it in a set, it goes off. Do you know yeah. what I mean? I sent it off. I had to wait nine months. I got the okay. Dash it out free. Do you know what I mean? Since then, I've just put it on SoundCloud. I've never actually promoted it. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Or anything like that. It was because it was literally because I had a great year. People have heard it. They really liked it. I'd waited. I'd got the okay. Boom. There you go. Christmas download. Do you know what I mean? And even now, that was in 2018, 2020. Even now, it's still one of my most played tunes on the SoundCloud and stuff. But that's with no promotion whatsoever. Yeah. Now, every time I play it, it still goes off. Yeah. And it's still like, do you know what I mean? You're still only going to hear me play it in my sets. Do you know what I mean? Because again, as DJs, as DJs, cool. That free download has gone out as a bootleg. That free download has gone out. You can't send it to any other DJs now because they're not going to play it. Everyone's yeah. got it. Yeah. Everyone's got it. <laughs> there's no exclusivity to it. Like Everyone else has got it. No one really, like, obviously there's a big bangers, but if you're getting dubs, exclusive tunes, I think that'll lead on to the whole dub leaks, tunes being leaked and stuff like that. But the main thing is we want the biggest and the most exclusive tunes for our sets. Do you know what If you've got a bootleg, that's banging and you know everyone's like everyone loves it why not keep that to yourself G? yeah so you know like every time you play a set yeah and everyone's waiting for it he's gonna play it he's gonna play it (laughs) you know it's the same with remixes when it's an official remix do you know what i mean like again original not a remix chasing status everyone loves it yeah the fact that it's original so Spotify, Apple Music, da 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 da. Like, again, every, you get to the rave, as soon as you hear those beginning bits, <gasps> why would you want that for yourself? You know, yeah. like, so, no, I agree. Again, it's, it's a mad one. So, I don't think, I don't think bootlegs will ever disappear. For the people that hold the whole dual play culture side of it, like, dearly, I don't think bootlegs will ever, ever disappear. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully, some more people will start to listen to to the, this podcast and start to think a little bit more. I think what we often find is that people don't think too much about the scene. Um, you know, as as an artist, you know, because they're, they're working, and so they're not really thinking too much about the scene as a whole. They're thinking about what they need to do mm-hmm. to make sure they're getting their next paycheck coming in. You know, they're delivering on, if they're a signed artist, they're delivering on their responsibilities as part of their contract, you know, all these yeah. sort of things. So, um, like I said, it's really important. That I think people think more about the scene 
you know the history is well documented you know it's almost like a badge of honor oh, you must know you know you have to know about um you know about jungle you have to know about the originals you have to know about this and like people just sort of like learn it because you know like i say it's that badge of honor oh, you're not a real junglist if you don't know this tune oh you're not a real junglist if you haven't got the nine on vinyl do you know what i mean like, yeah, so, yeah. I, I that's, think a, that's a conversation within itself, to be fair. That's <laughs> a conversation within itself. But yeah, I, yeah, I hear you. Definitely, definitely. You know, so I think it's really important that we that we have these conversations and, and hopefully more people will start to listen to it. And at the end of the day, um, we're putting this out there, right? It's, you know, I, I really hope that more people listen into this and think more about it. You know, this is only the first topic. We've got loads and loads of topics that we can talk about. Um, and you know, there there just seems to be this lack of discussion happening within the industry, at least between people who 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 listen to it. You know what I mean? I'm sure there is lots of discussion in tight circles within the industry about very very specific things. It's usually, I would imagine, label to label. Um, you know, and it's usually I imagine centered around bookings, music, contracts, uh, things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, yeah. But I, I just don't think that there's a lot of conversation ha- happening. You know, again, we've gone full circle. You know, I see a lot of stuff on UKF and they're talking to they're talking to artists, but they're talking to them about very specific things. Obviously it's an interview with that artist and it would make sense to talk yeah. with that sort of thing. And there are yeah. some you know, you know actually who is doing some good articles, very rare um articles um mm-hmm. but they they are good when they're when they're out and about it's red bull red bull oh, okay yeah um because uh, they've also got that um what's it called uh like the it's like the lab or something like that where they get artists in and they sit there and they talk to them I, there's, a, there's a brand new one uh from storm actually i think i think yeah, it's, yeah she's done two i saw one from uh, marcus intellect obviously goldie's been like, everyone who's everyone has, has been has been on these things right um and they actually yeah. do talk about some interesting stuff, you know, but mm-hmm. I think they've released five drum and bass articles in the entire history of the Red Bull music section. Um, they're they're yeah. good articles, but yeah. they're, you know, they're few and far between. And it's like, okay, great. You know, you've actually just hit on a really, really important topic. One of them, uh, and again, I, I, I did an article um, about MCs and stuff in in the industry, but they also did an article about MCs, and they were talking to the MCs and the real problems that these guys have. You know, um, yeah. You know what is the industry doing about it? Um, you know, one yeah. of the gripes was is that um, an an MC will go on a tour with a DJ, and the MC will get paid half as much money as the DJ. Yet they'll do all the gigs together. They'll stay in the same place. They'll eat the same food. They'll do this stuff. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. The disparity between that, and again, that's another co- uh, conversation for another day. But you know, they yeah. do talk about some important stuff, and then you know, they won't have anything for six months, and it's just like, well, yeah, <laughs> you know, why would yeah. you do that? Like, why would you raise like important topics? Actually, put the time and effort in to write a really good article about it, and then not do anything else with it. And this is what I want this podcast to be. Uh, you know, yeah. I want it to be spoken word. I want it to be conversation. I want it to be touching on some touchy subjects. I want it to be touching on 
uh, you know, things that people don't talk about. The main thing that I sort of got from everything that was happening, like, and having these conversations and stuff is, like, I'd love for the, I'd love for the fact that some, like, well, a lot of the time, people, we have these conversations and then they just got, they just get, like, sort of shrugged off as somebody moaning or complaining yeah. about something rather than just trying to highlight something that, you know, possibly if we talk about it could be changed mm. and could be reworked in a way to actually benefit us rather than just being some unspoken thing. Do you know what I mean? The amount of times, do you know what I mean? The amount of times where I felt like, like, and this is the danger sometimes. I feel I can, I can understand the danger of why some people don't want to but the amount of times where I've heard like I agree with you do you know what I mean behind the scenes but they won't come out and say it themselves do you know what I mean like it's a bit disheartening because if everyone ends up feeling like that then nothing is really going to change and if there are actual problems within the scene that could get fixed they're just going to end up they're just going to keep on happening because yeah. people end up being afraid to speak to that but what I what what I'm hoping for with these podcasts is that just because we're talking about it doesn't mean it's a complaint. It doesn't mean that we're just moaning. Do you know what I mean? We're yeah, trying yeah, to no, have real conversations. You know, if other genres can talk about it, if other genres can talk about you know what's the state of their scene and the artists that are in it and what 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 the potential pitfalls are. You know, you look at hip hop and you hear me constantly about artists not reading their contracts and getting done over by labels because of shady tactics. If we don't talk about these things, how are we going to prevent new people coming through from making the same mistakes that we make or that going through the same pitfalls that we went, we ended up going through if we don't talk about it? Yeah. So it's not a case of, oh, I'm an older head or I'm nearly 40. And I'm either looking down at the young ones or I'm complaining because things were a bit different back in my day. My day, but like I said, I wish, <laughs> I wish we had these resources back then, yeah, like, like that we have now. Like, I wish we did. Do you know what I mean? So, there's no bitterness, there's no singling anyone out, but it is important that we talk about the issues. We're not, we're not, we haven't talked about any one specific person in a bad way. We no. only use their experiences as examples of what is happening in the scene. And I feel like if we can, if, if it continues to be portrayed in that way, then I don't feel like anyone can really get upset about anything. Do you know what I mean? Unless they take it on personally themselves. Do you know yeah. what I mean? In that way, we're talking about the scene. Like, yes, there's people in the scene. We're part of the scene. You're part of the scene. And we need more people like you that are willing to take time to document, create these platforms and invite us on to actually talk about it. I'm a nobody, but I'm willing to talk about my experiences and my points of view, do you know what I mean? Without being insulting or, or <laughs> do you know what I mean? Controversial yeah, yeah, because we want to, you know, and there's other people, I feel like there's other people out there that, that have that approach but because do you know what I mean it's seen by like other people have like come out and said something and they, they just got ridiculed oh you're just hating you're just this you're just that do you know what I mean they don't feel like it's worth it so hopefully with these kind of with this kind of thing this platform you know it can be it can encourage more people to just say their piece do you know what I mean yeah. tell their truth do you know what I mean and hopefully like I said like we both said hopefully there's something learned 
this one something gained from it and ultimately it pushes the scene forward so yeah. thank you very much for having me on man you no know, problem really at all i'm it. really i'm really it's so nice to talk to somebody about drum and bass you know like yeah. it's, it's it's nice to have these sorts of conversations because you know it's all well and good you know you go around to your mate's house and you put some some tunes on and you sit there and you have a couple of cans and you know but you don't really talk about it um mm. and and that's what i want to do you know i want to sort of elevate your average junglist's awareness to something that you know what people don't realize is is that you know drum and bass is an incredibly important part of the british psyche you know yeah. whether whether yeah. you're part of the scene or not you know how this scene evolved came from something very very powerful the second summer of love mm -hmm. you know the rave scene you know you know original rave as it were um you know all those sorts yeah. of people you know this scene stands for something you know and if we could say way like hip-hop say way like hip-hop is intrinsically linked to america yeah like you do you stay in america the main things that you did that one of the main things that you think out think about is america with america is hip-hop like it's intrinsically linked with america the same yeah. way drum and bass jungle is intrinsically linked to britain do you know what i mean to england yeah, yeah. to britain to british culture like like, do you know what I mean? Even if it's not called jungle or drum and bass, rave, oh, there's all those ravers out in the UK. Do you know what I mean? Like, even I remember what all the reggae artists coming over, and you'll hear it inside in, in like samples. Now, we love this jungle sanding thing there. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. they were new to it. Do you know what I mean? Like, I speak to Americans and they, they see the UK as the mecca. Do you yeah, know what yeah. I mean? And I'm sat here like, what little old UK yeah. compared to like big massive you know what I mean USA like so and for me it's like that stands for something for me like I wasn't yeah. around for the birth of hip hop or these like all these other genres that I love and I'm so passionate about but I was around for like I was born like when when drum and bass was being birthed when jungle was being birthed you know what yeah. I mean I was I was growing up hearing tracks like Sweet Love with MB and General Levy, yeah, Burial, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like Pulp Fiction, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Old Congo, Natty Tunes. I'm growing up hearing that, like in my psyche, going to school, like, oh, yeah, this hysteria tape packs. Yeah, do you know yeah. what I mean? Fantasia, Dreamscape, like they're part of my childhood. They're part yeah, yeah. of my teenage years. Like we grew up on this stuff. So, do you know what I mean? You can't, being in America, you can't get that. Being in some other different country, you can't get that grassroots sort of love for this thing that we have called jungle drum and bass. Do you know what I mean? And as I've gotten older, as I've gotten gone through downfalls, highs, lows, taken my time, you know, had that bit of resentment or oh, I should have been somewhere better. Do you know what I mean? And learn to be like, okay, this is just my journey. Like, you you end up like sort of looking in the scene in a different way and like seeing how far we've come yeah. and wanting better for it. Do you know what I mean? And it's the same with every other artist within their perspective scenes. Do you know what I mean? Like we could pull up so many examples, you know, but I feel like to, like seeing all these other genres have been able to have these intelligent, thoughtful, do you know what I mean? Thought provoking 
conversations about music that they love, breaking down the history. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Breaking down why. Do you know what I mean? Paradox and Equinox program their drums the way that they do. Yeah, do you know yeah. what I mean? Breaking down the fact that, you know, Square Pusher and Aphex Twin, massive, especially Aphex Twin, massive, massive worldwide international artist is influenced by jungle and drum and bass. And you can hear it in his drum pad programming, how he makes his music. Like, yeah. no one breaks that down within the scene. And having these, like, well, we need more platforms. Like, yeah. I'm passionate. I love this scene. I love, oh, I love this scene. You know, I, I can't get enough of it. Do you know what I mean? I just wanted to grow so much. And there's so many of us that are out there that just have this passion for this scene, man. And you can't, you can't get that anywhere else. So yeah. I'm proud that Jungle Drum and Bass is so British. Do yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? It's ours. Like, no one can take it away from us, like, you know? And for, for again, for it, to, for it to get better, for it to elevate, we need to have, have these conversations. We need to spread the knowledge. Do you know what I mean? The history. Do you know what yeah, I mean? And 100%. find ways of finding middle ground so we can better it. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. Sorry. little passionate rant there. That's but, all right. Yeah. No, it's exactly, <laughs> what, it's, what is, it's exactly what we need, you know? Like, from, from small things to great things grow. And, you know, there's got to be a catalyst somewhere. Um, and, yeah. you know, this could be it. Yeah. I hope it is. I hope it is. I yeah. hope it is. Me so, too. Yeah, but... Well, thanks very much for chatting with me today. Well, thank you. No thank worries. you, Aaron. Absolute pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> Absolute pleasure. pleasure. Thanks again for listening to the Drop the Amen Breaks podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Please go and follow us on Instagram at Amen Breaks UK or on Facebook. You can also check out all of our merch and all of our articles and other interesting stuff on our website, amenbreaks.co.uk.